the record with Dan Gordon and Maya Billick on FBI Radio. For the record, we'd like to acknowledge that right now we are broadcasting on the stolen Gadigal land of the Eora Nation and pay our respects to Elders past and present and extend that respect to any First Nations person listening in right now. Sovereignty was never ceded, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. My name's Maya Billick and I'm joined by Dan Gordon and today is Trans Day of Visibility, a very special day in the calendar year that is both a celebration of trans pride and awareness, but also a day to commemorate those who are no longer with us and in an effort to give space to their voices and recognise their experiences and their achievements. We're pulling something out of the vault on For The Record today and revisiting a very special chat we had with local DJ Sophie Forrest about that one time she got to support Honey Dijon. And so today we're going through... And so today we're going through the best of both worlds, the debut record by Honey Dijon, going through her achievements, Sophie reminiscing about that show, what an artist like Honey Dijon means to her and how important she is in the music landscape. Stay tuned here on FBI. This is for the record over the next hour. Let's get into it. That liquid language sets them off. Making moves that move. Crawling underneath. Locking eyes, casting spells. Glazing over. Something a little different this week on For The Record. Hey, my name's Maya Billick and I'm joined by Dan Gordon. We're going to take you through an extended look at the best of both worlds, the debut album by Miss Honey Dijon, um, DJ, producer extraordinaire from Chicago in the US. Her name really does precede herself. We're going to be going through the entire record today, going going to break down a little bit of what house music was or the history of it and is um, Honey Dijon as a DJ and all of the things that she likes to talk about or what her music means to her. Dan, we've also got a special guest with us. Got an absolute special guest, absolute legend and pal of mine, but Sophie Forrest in the studio to, to chat about uh, Honey Dijon and the effect of Honey Dijon. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me in, guys. Of course, hundred percent. Had to had to get you in. It's very last last ditch uh, effort. I actually I actually spoke to you about this today when we were at work, and I was like, "You got to come in on the show. We're talking about Hunter <laughs> Dijon record. If you're around, you might as well come in and say what's up." Yeah, I mean it makes sense. Um, I'm a trans producer, DJ, musician. Um, so. And I did support Honey. Well, that's what I was just about Saturday to bring up. Well, you just so supported Honey Dijon, so the, the timing up. is perfect. Yeah, so no, I'd love to share some thoughts. Hell yeah. So just for some background, if you have not been schooled yet on uh, anything Honey Dijon related, she grew up in Chicago and first went, went to her first ever discotheque at the age of 12. She snuck into one um, and from there she discovered like a big passion and love for dance music and house music in particular. Um, she had absolute house reverend legends Derek Carter um, mentor her and kind of school her in the art of 
turntables and CDJs, or CDJs wouldn't have been a thing yet, but definitely what got her started, and she quite literally got to witness hands-on um, the evolution and the start of house music in Chicago in its home. Um, so it's quite, it's it's a pretty big deal, I would say, for someone of her calibre to be able to have put out a whole full-length record. It's no easy feat to become a DJ, let alone a successful international touring one, where if you've not necessarily got your own tracks, um, that you are able to pull huge crowds. She's a legend. Totally. Well, I think there's also this, this um, like, preconceived notion that, you know, being a DJ is really easy and and everything's kind of like given to you and all you've got to do is press play and there are like a plethora of gigs everywhere but I, I we were talking about this a little bit off air Sophie that that's like definitely not the case well I think honey's uh, important uh, in many ways but from a DJ perspective the most important thing I think she does is she's one of the last kind of not I want I don't want to say last but one of the last few DJs in the kind of Beatport era and uh, Shazam era where there's digital copies of nearly everything and it's actually hard to go out and hear something you haven't heard before yeah absolutely so it's important to a she's an amazing DJ technically but I don't go I think boy George had a good quote where he's like you know you don't go to see a DJ play the same songs you've heard every time. You want to hear something new and mm. fresh. It's nice to hear some classics, but I think Honey Dijon keeps it old school in that regard. Mm. And that's why she's important. Um, because, you know, you can literally get nearly everything. There's no exclusivity. No one's really... Like, the age of the tastemakers kind of dying a little bit. Do you reckon? A little bit, I think. Like, when you look at the commercial side of things, and I'm talking... Tomorrowland level mm. and even the commercial underground festivals that do exist you're going to hear the same songs yeah, over and over again um, and so someone like Honey who still plays those festivals but plays something entirely fresh is very important mm. I think that's one of my favourite things about her, uh, not just as a DJ but as a producer is that um, how malleable she is as, a, as an artist and, and can kind of doesn't really ha- doesn't have to necessarily do any one thing in music she can kind of one, one of the very few producers I feel is like literally paving her own way oh, as yeah. she see fit as she sees fit well I mean it's important because as an artist you, you kind of have to do a trade-off between what you want to do and what you kind of can get away with doing and still get bookings and so on yeah and so it's inspiring to see someone literally no compromises doing doing what they do and still being booked every single day of the week all year, which is... Oh, it's no easy feat. It's no easy feat and not a lot of people can achieve that. So the fact that she's trans and a, a, a person of colour is already two minorities. Yeah. And she just straight slays, no no question. She's... It's, it's inspiring. So, I mean, well, the only the only live live experience I wouldn't really call it an experience because it's not in the flesh. I've 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 just watched her on YouTube because I haven't I haven't really had the the pleasure. I didn't go to the show on the weekend. I had to work. I couldn't I couldn't do couldn't do all that business. You did get but tears in time. but I from from watching some of the sets that she's got up on YouTube, it's kind of a bit awe inspiring to watch 
so many people crowd around this one person literally be in awe of, of what they're witnessing I, I don't think it obviously they're you know they're good DJ sets but I haven't seen a set where people have been that inspired and kind of almost like let go of themselves for the hour the two hours that she's playing um, I think she plays a very classic style of house yeah that I think if you're into electronic music there's nothing that you're not gonna like there mm. and I think that's also very hard to do but that particular set was pretty ridiculous yeah what I think Honey Dijon does really well is kind of school people around her on like the history of house on her background on like very quickly there's this kind of culture within DJing where I guess a lot of people think that just anyone can do it or that they can just play anything and there's no um, big backstory and she's very quick to kind of pull everyone into perspective and be like no this is like this culture that you're reappropriating now is born out of a bunch of different things do you feel like like DJs are as a, as a whole are, are respected or maybe maybe the better question is are they respected to the level that they should be I, th- I think it's a tough discussion because I think maybe in the past it maybe was a little bit harder to be a DJ but that's I don't see an issue in lowering the skill floor because it actually allows a lot more people to access because at the end of the day everything aside music should be fun and it should be expression Mm. so you don't have to be playing pack clubs every week to it, it doesn't affect your authenticity of who you are and on some level there's a place for everything you know i might not like martin garrix but there's someone out there that likes that stuff so Mm. if it's authentically you that's the important thing um in terms of djs being respected i think there's a lot of djs that are on par and skill level with live musicians but then you're going down into an argument of live total music versus recorded music and that's a discussion that's been happening since literally the first person put two records not Mm. even records before that or whatever i can't remember what the early technology was but we're talking 1940s phonographs and stuff when recorded music first started the band unions were like no this is not a thing because they're losing bookings instead of having to pay a 40-piece band to pack out your club on a friday Mm. you can play a ten dollar record or platter whatever that you bought yeah so live musicians have always hated recorded music because they've lost work because of it so i think it's a artistically completely arbitrary discussion because it's the result that matters yeah yeah so i think the most important thing is your authenticity and this kind of leads back to honey and the and her being staunch about the history and the context of house music because to, to be fair these days it has been completely decontextualized mm. you know uh, it's it's played on radio house is technically a commercial music at the end of the day but the history is a black queer history that's where it comes from it was born from struggle and expression mm. but that doesn't mean the stuff that's happening now in my eyes is any less authentic but it still has to be done with respect to the past. We're talking to Sydney producer and DJ Sophie Forrest, all about the Honey Dijon record, The Best of Both Worlds, which you've been hearing playing.
very softly underneath our voices for the last little while. We're going to kick on into a little bit more of the record. You can We'll turn it up full pelt for you. This is for the record on FBI Radio. Keep up to date with the track list um, at our website, fbiradio.com. Just click on the Programs tab and then for the record. Let me show you how to work it out. Let me show you how to work it out. 
You were listening to For The Record on FBI Radio, joined by Sydney producer Sophie Forrest, and we're talking all about Honey Dijon, the best of both worlds, the debut record by the extremely, extremely prolific house musician and producer. Honey Dijon, we love her. We're going through the record. Um, What we were just kind of talking amongst ourselves off mic was the fact of, I guess, like, this not strange thing about being a DJ, but what's interesting about Honey Dijon is how she is definitely first and foremost a DJ. And we mentioned it a little earlier how it's no easy feat to have put out a record or to be become such a big and well-known DJ, but it's interesting that she's put out an album. Well, yeah, especially when you're not known for putting out albums, mm. when you're known for doing these banging sets where they're super hype, really really fun and then then to all of a sudden decide yeah well i'm gonna make an album and it's gonna be all my tracks like that's it's not a weird thing it's not not been done before but it's just it's just a strange move yeah if uh, let's i guess let's unpack this sophie because you had so many good points on it yeah i mean from an artist's perspective if you're known as as a dj which is your main thing it's a very tough thing to do, especially if you're touring regularly and playing like nearly every weekend, um, to then take time away to work on an artistic project of such a size. Um, unless you're doing it on the road, which isn't exactly easy. Yeah. Touring regularly, and, and she plays a lot, like at least 300 plus gigs a year. Yeah. Which is crazy. So, but that's also your income. So to step away from that and take the risk artistically and financially of saying, and and with your career of saying, I'm going to take time to work on this and probably cancel a couple of gigs to work on stuff. Mm. It's a risk, but it paid off. It's an amazing record. It's an amazing piece of art. Um, And it's it's very rare for uh, someone who's exclusively, generally speaking, a DJ to put out a body of work of that quality and of that length mm. so women well, I like it ebbs and flows in the way that you would expect anything that she puts her name towards to do but it's it it interest what, what, what was interesting to me is it doesn't really sound like honey dijon in in a live format or what the vast majority of people myself included knew her for or or was what was expecting i think a good example was a friend of ours had caught her when she was here last year and she um miss dijon just decided to pop up at 77 did a just unofficial if you will gig uh and apparently spent the majority of the night remixing in and out of fortet which is also a pretty mean skill but not really what comes across on the record which is very classic house and techno yeah, I mean, I would almost go as far to say that some of it's almost like Proto House, edging yeah. into kind of 80s vibes, because the history of House begins obviously with disco and funk, and you move through synthwave and all that stuff, and all this is kind of relates to access to technology. So as, like, the 303 came, everyone knows the 303, 303 came out, it's the classic story, but it was originally a jazz accompaniment for, as a baseline for people to practice with and obviously it's useless for that so <laughs> no one bought it so then it ends up in you know uh, like cash converters and stuff mm. so then these guys can get this stuff for a hundred dollars and then they start 
trying to remake well guys people who can get this technology finally start to use it and flip it and try to recreate the sounds that they like to hear and so you you know house was almost and still kind of is uh, electronic disco instead of using instruments using synths and drum machines and the democratization of technology allowed this to exist mm. so i think honey's sound as a dj references early house and classic house but isn't in the way that i would say someone like derek may or Derek Carter or those guys is very much classic house. I think she still does it in a very modern way. Um, but that also leads into the fact that she's very much about the history of house. So it would make sense that her record references the spectrum of the history of house. Mm. But I think the interesting thing, like you said, is that it's not her sound. So. Well, on that, I think it's it's worth noting a lot of the features on the record, I would say, are relatively new or not people typically associated with, like, house as a dance form. Like, um, aside from maybe, like, Seven Davis Jr., like, Sam Sparrow, who sings Black and Gold, yeah. like a 2007 Australian hit, is on the record, which says yeah. a lot. Um, Sean... Jay Wright's on there as yeah. well, and he's nice. He's done some stuff with Paul and Johnny. Joe Cardwell. Yeah. I wouldn't, like, forgive the pun, but it's very Vogue. Yeah. Oh, don't even get me started on Vogue. That's a, that's a discussion. <laughs> um, but I, I supported DJ Sprinkles a few years ago, and DJ Sprinkles was the one that got me into house, and she's savagely political in the very best way. Um, and when I was young and I hadn't come out yet or anything, the reason I got into House was because my friend showed me her record, um, Midtown 120 Blues, mm. which is not a, necessarily a dance floor album, but it's very political. And it was the first, pro first producer I'd come across that spoke to me as a young transgender person. So the entire, the themes of that are very much transgender house and, and the idea of existing and it's actually a somewhat dark record mm -hmm. but there's an interesting sample towards the end and I can't for the life of me remember the actual track but it literally talks about decontextualization removing the actual roots of the music in reference to Madonna taking Vogue in the 90s and saying okay this is this is a, a what, what amounted to a black gay art form and I'm going to steal this and I'm going to say it's cool to be whoever you want to be and I'm going to make a million dollars off it. And I think that's a, some people's only experience of Vogue, but that's the same thing that's kind of happening with house music now. And that's mm. why Honey has a problem with it. And it's completely understandable because it's not respecting what it was and where it came from. And that's the important thing. And so people like um, DJ Sprinkles, and Honey, who will not apologise for who they are, and nor should they. They do their thing and they're staunch about it, and that's super important for everyone, regardless of your gender, your colour, whatever music you're into. It's important for people to be that strong. It's interesting because like, her sets would always come across to me as maybe like an unintentional history lesson. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think she's, I don't think she's going out of her way to be like, these are the things that you have to listen to and know. But she does it in a way where it's like, this is important, this is important, this is important. It never seems forced. Like, 
I, I would say, if anything, her sets are kind of like, in a way, going to school because, yeah, mm. it's like an education on, on what was, what is, and what's coming. Yeah. But, you know, she recently did a post on, on Instagram, I think it was. As you say, she talks a lot about it on her Instagram by showcasing and those records. Derek Carter asked her, I think it was a couple of years ago, like, why do you DJ? And basically, she's like, I do it because who I am and I'm honouring the people before me and respecting the art form and mm. where it came from. And I think that's super important to not lose sight of what actually matters, not the kind of flashy house culture that exists today. Mm. You know, like head candy and the whole Ibiza thing is fine. <laughs> it is, but some people really enjoy that. I mean, you know, and that's for them, but that shouldn't interfere with real art. And that's what Honey does. So I think it's important. I think it, the state of the world this day, it's more important at the end of the day for there to be more artists and more people being artistic and expressing who they are. And that's why I don't see an issue with some kid who's you know, using tractor and auto syncing in his bedroom playing EDM bangers. If, if, if he feels good and he's, they feel good and they're expressing themselves, that's, that's it. It stops the discussion stops there it's fun yeah. and they're having fun but it's also really important for there to be people who stand up for what's right tuned into for the record on fbi radio talking all about honey dijon and her record the best of both worlds joined of course by sydney producer sophie forrest my billig as always we're going to kick on into a little bit more of the record Shoot us a text on 0409-945-945. Let us know what tracks are your favourite, if you went to a show. Or just like how great she is. (laughs) You're on FBI Radio.
on FBI Radio. This is for the record. We've taken you through the debut album by Chicago musician DJ All Round. She calls herself or refers to it under a hashtag as Black Girl Magic. You know her as Honey Dijon and the album The Best of Both Worlds. Um, local artist Sophie Forrest has been chatting with us about the record today and we've delved into Bit of, bit of history, bit of DJing versus making an album. Um, and I guess we kind of got to the point, it's very interesting to consider how long she's been in the game for, but how only in the last, this album came out a year ago, how it was only then that it was put out and the, in effect the kind of point that it serves. We feel, I think it's pretty safe to say that it is somewhat of a statement from her. Yeah, well, I mean, like the... The timing couldn't really have been more perfect for releasing an album like that by an artist like Honey Dijon, like mid-2017. Mm. It's kind of when I feel like everyone, you know, obviously people have been starting to open their eyes for a few years and, and kind of, you know, not not be so closed or narrow-minded. But And that's, you know, obviously there's still heaps and heaps of work to do in that respect, but... I feel like that was kind of the time when it was almost like I don't want to say on trend, but like it was like really being hammered home to people. No, I think people just got kind of spl- splashed in the face with water and got a big fat check. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, I think the timing the timing is partially interesting, but I don't think like Honey's Honey's an inspiration to me because. Yes, she's trans, but it's not really a part of the discussion because she's an artist first, mm-hmm. and that's the important thing. It's an aspect of who she is, and on a, on a very large level, it shapes her and into what she does and who she is, but it's also an aspect. Her music is an expression of her as an artist, and so, you know, the, the climate of the political climate is, is, is a hectic one, but I don't think that related into doing the record. I think it was the right time for her artistically mm. and whether or not that was access or uh, even having the time or maybe... Or even it just being finished. Yeah, I think I don't think Honey's the type of, like I said off mic before, the type of person to be pestered into doing mm. an hour-long body of work. I think she either was into it or she was not. So she also doesn't strike me as the kind of person to necessarily follow suit or be told what to do. No, so I think it was the right time for her, and she had something to express. Mm. Because you can tell when, and I don't. It doesn't matter if you're painting. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Art is art, and you can tell when it's true expression, as opposed to cashing in on a trend or you, you can tell like the authenticity and that's the important thing about Honey and that's what she pushes uh, as a person as and as an artist so I think that's the important thing and I don't think she would have done the record if she didn't have something to say so it's great that it did kind of do so well because it's a very rare thing especially today and I'm not sure on the exact numbers that it sold, but I know it did quite well. Well, it's got something like um, almost shy of a million streams on Spotify, but I would say it would be 
more if not for the fact that majority of people would be listening to it on a record instead. But it's that's real. That's real underground music. Mm. Um, at the end of the day, for a long time, underground is branding. You know, you can still see parties like I say, you know, Beatles, the underground techno, underground house. Richie Horton still calls himself underground. It's like, what is underground? But that's real underground where it's real quality, and it's kind of almost hasn't bubbled over into mainstream quite yet because mm. a million is nothing to poo poo at and that's amazing for a house record mm. oh but it's, it's still like in, in I get what you say in like the grand scheme yeah of like things. a Taylor Swift track gets 27 million listens yeah, like one yeah. track so like it's not but that's also not what Honey's about so that's actually amazing that in the, the modern kind of Spotify climate and stuff, that it's something still of that quality of and s- real underground music s- can still get those kind of listens. Yeah, well, I think that, that one of the most striking things as well about this record is how, and, and her in general, is how unapologetic she is. Yeah, and, and for me, it was very inspiring because being trans is a struggle of you accepting who you are versus the world. Mm. And... Um, it's very important to see someone like yourself being staunch and doing your thing and not apologizing and saying, I am who I am, I do what I do. And for any young transgender person, I think that's very important because that's a large part of having the strength to come out and say, I am who I am, this is what I, this is who I am. And it's important to not apologise for that because you are who you are and no one should ever apologise for who they are. Um, And it's important to have strong role models in that regard. So I think Honey, at least being transgender, is very multifaceted in her kind of inspiration levels Mm. as a musician, DJ, producer, I mean, even the fashion aspects that she's involved in. Um, Doing, you know, Fashion Week with Vogue and so on. She's... She does everything and does everything to a high standard and that's why she can be called an artist as opposed to someone who just plays beatport bangers because an artist is an artist. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Literally doesn't matter what you're doing. She, you will still really, apply your art. She really does like finesse everything mm. she does. There's always she? a level of class and yeah. refinement to it. And you can hear it on the record. She wouldn't have put out trash and it's not it's amazing. It, it it's it doesn't even matter the form and I use the fo- the word form in the, the context of like painting. It doesn't matter if it's oil, it doesn't matter if it's acrylic. An artist will still get the same result, essentially. Mm. So Honey always applies that finesse, regardless if it's fashion, music, life. I think she still applies that same artistic nature to everything, and that's what's inspiring, that's what's important. I think, yeah, Honey could pretty much do anything and will probably be interesting and authentic and worthwhile. So been listening to for the record where we're joined by sydney producer and dj sophie forrest we've had the pleasure of talking to sophie for around about the last hour or so while we've also had the pleasure of listening to the debut honey dijon record best of both worlds we've kind of got to wrap things up around about here sophie thank you so much for imparting your wisdom and just 
having a chat with us on the show. We really appreciate you coming in. It's been a goddamn pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been a load of fun. Um, you can listen back to today's show at fbiradio.com slash programs. Just click on For the Record. You can listen back to any other show as well. It's all there nicely packaged up just for you to have a little listen to whenever you want. If you want to get in touch, For the Record at FBI Radio is the place to do so. Or you can follow us on Instagram, For the Record FM. If you're into all that stuff, we'll see you next week. A big thank you to you for listening in today on For the Record, going through the best of both worlds by Honey Dijon with very special guest Sophie Forrest, an incredible local DJ and advocate. Don't forget the Kill the Bills Protect Trans Youth uh, protest and rally is happening at Taylor Square here in Sydney in Darlinghurst on the 17th of April, which is a Saturday. You can check out the event on Facebook. It's all about marching to stop Mark Latham's anti-trans parental freedoms bill and the Liberals' religious freedoms bill. To rally and march happening from 1pm is kickoff. Taylor Square on Oxford Street here in Darlinghurst. We'll pop a link up on the program page at fbiradio.com and you can check out the full episode today wherever you get your podcasts from. We'll see you here at the same time next week. Move along and leave the past behind